Being that I make knives, I'm kind of constrained in many ways with the social media because well, for one, I couldn't promote a page. They send me emails all the time. Hey, promote this post. If you try it, they're going to deny it because they call it a weapon. So it can be a bit challenging in that aspect. Choose not to live in a world of filters. Realize your mistakes. Set the foundation for your success. Get some wins. Knucklehead Podcast. Welcome to another edition of Knucklehead Podcast. You got with you today, the Knucklehead Stephen. And uh, keeping a long tradition of supporting local business. This is, I think, going to be the ninth or tenth business owner that we've had in the local community that I live, that I work, that's here all the time. So no, we don't, we're not just one of these traveling sales folks that set up shop and then try to go sell their service all over the country and don't share the community in which they operate in. I'm here actually with a, a local business owner who's actually from this area. I happen to be encroaching into his territory by moving into his backyard. I'm going to mischaracterize it myself here. Is it Gaskill custom made knives or help me introduce you properly? Mr. Uh, it's just Gaskill knives, Gaskill okay. handmade knives. Sorry. Right. Very cool. I like it. So Gaskill handmade knives it's in the name kind of like knuckle head when people think of me they're like yeah that that goofball i don't even want to talk to that that moron so we we told you kind of how this whole thing got started i started working with this outside consultant for a period of time and it seemed like he always wanted to drive into my head this process in order to actually optimize the the end result of our work product that we were doing all the time he was like you have to follow this process you have to follow this process and i was like look dude that framework doesn't work so if you think that you have the answer to our, our problem, then you can take my job if you want. And I, I got kind of fed up with this one size fits all approach to business. So uh, what we found is that sharing screw ups, sharing mistakes, sharing the things that we tried that didn't work actually was more beneficial in our process of getting through what didn't work quickly. And we also found that we could learn from other people's mistakes the same way that we were sharing our mistakes with other people. It actually became a, a, a very fun environment to learn and actually grow our business whenever we started this format. So uh, that's what the premise of Knucklehead Podcast is, is, hey, listen, what you screw up along the way? Uh, where'd you get your nose bloodied? And it actually takes a willingness to go out there and get smacked upside the head in order to have forward progress in whatever it is that you're trying to do. So I'm fascinated by things that are custom. I'm fascinated by things that incorporate a significant amount of design in their end product. So uh, that's why I'm fascinated to talk to you today, Matt. So how in the hell are you? I'm doing great. You know, just finished a solid weekend of working on knives and trying to complete some projects. How long have you been around? How long has uh, Gaskill Custom Knives been around? I uh, started February of 2015. Okay, so that's going on for those of you who are listening now. So that's just over five years ago. When you think of your time building your first knife, and then the time that you actually started Gaskill Custom Knives, and then to where you are at now, are there three distinctly different qualities of product that, you know, when you first started to when you first launched and then to where you're at now? Oh, absolutely. Uh, the products hopefully get better every day, right? So uh, they started out, of course, very rough, but uh, I picked it up pretty, pretty quick. You know, there's a lot of resources on the internet, YouTube, forums, uh, and there's a lot of uh, groups and stuff to get involved with personally with people. So it's actually quite surprising how many knife makers are around you <laughs> at any given time. You know, I got a few just down the road, you know, so you can start picking their minds. And I got uh, moving pretty quick with it. So 
Can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do you watch, do you, I mean, do you take the time to watch any, what is it like Discovery Channel? There's there's a show called, I mean, everybody probably yeah. mentions this to you, the Forged and Fire show. Mm-hmm. It, is, it, is, it, is that just highly dramatized or can you literally build a, you know, a knife in that short amount of time that they have? Oh, you can. Now on the show, it, it looks like it's all, you know, six hours all strung together, but they, they do for three hours, heat treat it. And then they take a break for a day, even though they come back in the same clothes. But uh, that night is spent tempering the knives. So there are there are some uh, things that take longer than that. You know, tempering a knife typically takes two two hour periods. So they, they clearly couldn't do that in the show. But what's they, uh, the that overnight? I mean, this is I, I appreciate that clarity because I've I've always wondered that, and I think there's a lot of people who, when they go and they find like a new topic, you know, that they're interested in. There's so many things that don't meet the eye that end up coming after the fact that you, you know, you realize, oh, wow, there's there's a lot more involved here. And especially with something like a knife. I mean, actually, that's what I wanted to ask you about. So when it comes to choosing the type of metals and and uh, all the different materials that you put inside of there, can you think of a time back to your early you know, knife making days uh, to where, you know what, I, this was supposed to work or this was supposed to be a lot more strong than what it actually ended up turning out to be? Can you think of a time where something like that happened? Oh, I mean, when you start out, you're kind of constrained to your tools in a way. Not always, but there's a lot of different steels out in the market, and uh, they're all heat treated differently. They're all they all have different properties. They all require uh, different tooling and things like that to to heat treat them, to cut them, to grind them. So starting out early, I I picked materials that I could heat treat myself with a simple, inexpensive forge, and just to see if I like it before I started jumping into the more expensive steels and uh, having to invest in, say, a kiln and different quenching mediums like oils and uh, aluminum plates. And I use uh, liquid nitrogen. So, you know, all that's a pretty expensive investment. So I had to start out with simple steels, which are actually still some of the uh, the best steels. Uh, There's a lot of hype around a lot of the uh, expensive stainless steels and all these new to the market stills and you know the reality of it is a lot of the older stills are just as good you know interesting so yeah i had to start out i was kind of constrained can i stop I got- for just a second you yeah, said absolutely. something that's fascinating to me all right so you started relatively simple so when i say simple you kind of got the basics of what it was that captivated you which which we haven't really get dive into yet just yet but you wanted to see if you liked it what caused that curiosity what what was it about knives or are you just naturally just kind of a curious guy okay well i'm naturally a lot i have a lot i've always had a lot of hobbies and stuff and i've always liked to build things so when i got started on knives i was into woodworking i committed to that bought a whole bunch of tools i was building a farmhouse table for the family and uh going back a little bit further my grandfather made knives and uh, okay. his brother made knives so they they were making them from the late 70s into the early 90s so uh, that's when I was in high school and stuff. And uh, my grandfather passed when I was in college and I inherited some of his equipment and I kind of moved it around with me. And I, you know, I knew my grandfather made knives and uh, he also was a gunsmith. And so I had some of his equipment and I was like, well, let me see exactly what this is used for in the industry kind of. So I started looking up the grinder. I was like, oh, this is what he used to make knives. Okay. Well, I like knives and I'm not really liking all the sawdust with woodworking. So let's try this knife thing out. So I committed to when I finished the table, 
I would commit one weekend and see if I can do it and if I enjoy it. So that's where I bought the minimum tools necessary to create a knife. So I got some steel, bought some grinding belts, some handle material, a forge, some canola oil, and that was basically the bare minimum investment I needed to make a knife. So really interesting. You know, most of the people who are listening to this are going, man, there's there's gotta be a uh, a hobby. There's got to be a, a topic. There's got to be a thing, you know, of the 168 hours that we have in a week, right? The majority of folks that are listening to this, they're, they're business owners. They don't have a whole lot of extra time or they're, you know, they're leading teams within a, within a, a company. So they, their extra time is really meant to optimize in the performance of their team or making themselves better. Or they want to kind of life hack a, a, a new skill development. I think, I think you said something that stood out to me, which is you committed, you committed to actually trying to find out if this is something you'd be interested in. So what was it that caught your attention? I mean, what was it about that first weekend of committing to it? I mean, was it hard? Was it harder than what you expected? Did it come out better than what you expected? What was it that caused you to want to go back and do it again for that second weekend? Well, that first weekend I made three knives, I think, and they were pretty rough, but they actually weren't too bad. You know, uh, I was quite proud of them at the time and uh, shared them on social media. And I immediately through friends and family got quite a bit of feedback and interest, you know? So I'm like, okay, this could be something, I know it's ex- it's an expensive hobby, so it's going to need funding. So I'm like, okay, I already have some interest feeding it. So heck, why not keep going? I enjoy it. I wasn't enjoying the woodworking. I was enjoying it, but sawdust too much of it. <laughs> yeah, I understand. Yeah, I understand. It's It sounds a little bit like podcasting to a certain extent. Like you have so much that you have to, you want to produce and you want to, f- but then you got to go back and edit. It's like, oh gosh, I'm throwing away all this this extra stuff. No, it could actually end up coming back to serve your purpose. So, it, it sounded as if you found uh, a, a source of revenue through uh, through just this experiment, and you you toggled with this idea of distributing your product over social media. Or was that? Did you begin with the end saying, "Hey, listen, I, before I even try this, I'm not going to try to sell it over social," or or help me understand a little bit more of that process? Did you? Were you just trying to, you know, solve a problem that you was now thrust upon you that you had these three new blades? No, I mean, at, then, you know, I had the three new blades. So I'm like, well, okay, what are my next steps? Right. And if I do want to sell it, I have to uh, be able to guarantee this, the integrity of the steel and everything at the time. And I didn't have the more expensive tools to test and everything and to heat treat quite right. So I've made some more knives and I sent them off to have somebody else heat treat them with more experience, which there's plenty of services that do that and stuff. So I got them back and finished them up. And uh, like the fifth knife was pretty dang good. And the guy showed a lot of interest and I sold it. And then I had a couple more come down the line and I sold those. And it just kind of kind of snowballed and uh, started feeding, you know, social media with it and all and got more and more interest. And a lot of people pinging me saying they wanted one. So I started building a list of all the people that were interested. And it grew really quick, actually. I would say that would lead into one of my biggest mistakes or heartaches in in all of this was actually creating that list because I'm five years later still working on it. <laughs> you know, so. I, I love that. What you're doing here is you're, is you're being honest with the fact that it was a hobby, right? Mm-hmm. It was born out of potentially some interest. So, you know, somewhere in your DNA, there's a, there's this, this, uh, this affinity with that material. And now all of a sudden you, you're able to, kind of sculpt and just kind of craft it into something that's 
I think it's very useful. You know, my nine-year-old son has a knife, right? So for those of you who are listening to rolling around your grave, it's because he knows how to use it and he's being taught the right way to, to conduct himself by having it, right? I mean, it's hunting season here in Texas. Who doesn't have a knife, right? That's out there trying to uh, make use of it. So talk to us real quick, Matt, about the whenever you came up with this list, you had a specific type of individual in mind. So talk to us a little bit about those who are maybe scared of blades or or maybe don't understand the context of why a, a handmade custom blade would be a, a good knife to start with. Talk about some of the the challenges that maybe somebody would run into if they're if they're into this hobby for the first time and you know they just don't know a whole lot. Yeah, so you know, I think it's interesting the knife making community and the the people that are interested in knives uh it it crosses a lot of different boundaries in a way you know whether it be political or male female whatever everybody seems to like knives most people do you know some people i would say are scared of them or whatever but you know people cook people hunt people open boxes people like to carry a cool knife you know it's just there's a lot of a lot of interest that feeds that you know and so you can reach a lot of different demographics and uh groups because it crosses those boundaries right so yeah, my list, going back to the list, it, it grew over 100 really quick. And uh, so I eventually said, okay, I can't, you know, I'll never ever catch up if I don't stop it right now. So there's a point where I said, okay, I'm not taking any more and I'm going to start working on it. And what that list has done kind of is, well, I say it was kind of a one negative. I mean, it fed, you know, it helped me build what I have today, but also it constrained me to what I've built in the past because somebody would say, hey, I want that. You know, so I'm remaking what I made a month ago, right? And this is an art, and you like to express it and get better and change things and do different do different things, right? So that's that's why I say it, you know, is one of my mistakes is letting that list get so large because it did constrain me, and I'm still, you know, my biggest goal right now is to drain that list, finish that queue, and uh, get on to making what comes to my mind. And putting it out for sale that's ultimately what i want to do and take what I was, some customs here and there you know hey i want three for my family or whatever you know that kind of stuff but i want to make like what the kukri we were talking about earlier you know luckily i i started making it on my own but i had somebody ping me and say hey i want it you know that's what i was going to ask you so now that you're you know you're kind of rolling over a new leaf so to speak that you're you know you're taking your first initial set of a hundred orders or so, something like that, right? And it doesn't necessarily matter what the number is. Now that you're kind of going on to the next iteration of expressing the art of, of knife making, you know, that is that is Matt, what's the most interesting request that you've received? I mean, have, has anybody, because I've seen some really incredible blades on that, on that show, but I, I just, I can't think of somebody who would, you know, be making that now in like 2020, would they make a you know, some type of medieval instrument or, you know, some type of katana blade versus a, you know, a little switch blade, you know, talk, talk to us a little bit about the most interesting request that you've received. Well, you know, I, I do get hit up a whole lot for, for folding knives. And uh, that was my first goal was to eventually get up to making folders. But uh, I kind of feel that there's a lot of people that make folding knives now. And I was like, well, you know, I'm going to keep it to these fixed blade knives for now and uh, go down that route. The reason why I was asking about the most interesting request is, you know, that fixed blade versus switch. There's so many iterations that, quite frankly, just somebody who's ignorant, you know, of what's available to them. They wouldn't think that somebody would think to even ask somebody to make a blade for them. So what, what's the most interesting yeah, request so, that you've received? So early on, the most interesting request, I, I a lot of my customers are military and uh, a kukri has been something that 
almost everybody that's that's in the military looking for a knife they've brought it up before just because the uh the history behind it and the soldiers that carried it and, and their their legend behind it and everything can you show it to us can you yeah, absolutely. here's one i'm working on yeah like that's all covered in tape and paper right now but walk us through what is that so what, uh, what are we looking at here so this is in progress right now this that's could, awesome you know it was probably started as a farming tool used by uh the people of nepal and then it kind of built a legend around it as they probably had to use it to defend themselves. I don't know all the exact history, but that's kind of how it how it started. What material is that there that you're that you're holding? This is desert ironwood, and then the steel is called 1095 steel. Okay. How long does it take to forge that blade together? Because I mean, you have to layer things up, don't you? Well, you know, yeah. So I haven't been forging for a whole long and a whole long time. So uh, I can step back for one second. There's two yeah. types to make knives. There's forging the shape which is what I did to this. I heated it, hammered it, got it to shape before I started grinding. The other one is called stock removal, where you take just a chunk of steel, you basically draw what you want, and you grind away everything else. So that's how I started, by grinding away everything else. And one of my goals this year was to be was to forge more. So this is one of the uh, first projects I started, was I was going to forge this kukri. And it's going to have a few different things i haven't done before one was this is called an integral guard yeah holster so it's actually one piece of steel it's been welded together three welded together into this and this is where i attach the handle so in this knife right here it's like i'm forging a large knife i'm forge welding i got an integral guard all new things for me so the thing uh this was kind of a hey let's uh challenge yourself and see what happens you know so for those of you who are listening and he's and he's describing to us this curved blade it's probably about what is that eight to 12 inches what how long is that i think i think i'm about a total of 16 inches or so well total okay. uh, blade is 12 inches long right yeah. it's about two inches thick at the at the uh up at the head and it's and it's got a little curve to it and you said that the handle was what what's the material desert ironwood Desert Ironwood. So for those of you who are listening, who have been instructed before to go to our sponsor, manscaped.com, this is not what you would want to use. And this is certainly not what you would want to see. Uh, I'm just throwing that out there. So Matt has got a smile on his face for the first time through the entire uh, duration of his recordings now. So now that we're successfully, no, I'm just kidding here. So the, the kookery is something that you've actually been requested to make by some of the military folks that that you've made blades for in the past and now that you're kind of at this at this stage uh, of your business where you're you're going through the list and making these blades for folks i mean where do you see it going i mean do you see it being like a custom steel shop or do you, do you see it being just custom blade i mean walk us through a little bit more about what what the future might be well so every year i try to set goals to hit for the next year and this year was going to be for ice like i said i wanted to start forging more so i invested it invested early on in the tooling for forging you know anvils i built a new forge and so i started practicing at that of course texas uh summertime kind of took a break over the summer so it's starting to cool off so i'm going to start opening the doors of the shop again and start forging again so that's what i wanted to do this year and uh, I also wanted to start making pattern welded steel, which sand mine Damascus are the two terms you'll hear. And that's basically taking all two, di two different types of steel and alternating them and welding them together and creating a pattern in it, folding it, twisting it, doing all sorts of stuff to create a pattern. So I did a little bit, I made a little bit of sand mine also this year, made a couple knives out of that. And uh, so the next year, the big goal is gonna be Damascus, like legit good Damascus. So I'll hopefully, 
beginning of next year, invest in a hydraulic press for that and uh, see how it goes from there. But I'm just taking it a year at a time right now, kind of. Uh, my ultimate goal is probably 10 years from now when the kids maybe are out of the house, hopefully transfer into this full time and uh, making a living off of it and seeing how it does, how it goes. So when it comes to your distribution, there's a there's a component of raising awareness to what it is that you're doing. So whenever you first started sharing these knives out, and we'll wrap with this, you know, with this finding here, but what did you anticipate would happen whenever you shared it over social that surprised you? And what did you not anticipate that um, yeah, that also surprised you? Like what was what was something that you thought would happen that didn't? And what was something that you didn't expect to happen that happened? Well, at first, I guess I didn't expect to get uh, so much interest through mostly friends and family and everything. And then social media is quite interesting, you know, and trying to understand how to market there and stuff like that. And being that I make knives, uh, I'm kind of constrained in many ways with the social media because, well, for one, I couldn't promote a page. They send me emails all the time. Hey, promote this post. If you try it, they're going to deny it because they call it a weapon. So it can be a bit challenging in that aspect. But uh I've gotten, you know, my uh, social media platform, especially Instagram, has grown quite a bit over the five year, last five years. And I've gotten a, a great following of uh, seems like very solid people and everything and, you know, good followers and everything. So it's it's been fun to see, you know, how you can work that the Instagram algorithm, things like that to, to reach more people. And uh, that's been very a very interesting uh, endeavor over the last five years. Something as simple as a picture, you know, it's a yeah, it's a it's a very cool product that you're making, right? Yeah. And plus, it's custom. You want to be able to show off the uniqueness of it, right? And call to attention the uh, the detail uh, and the hours of care and pre planning that you put into that. So, rightfully so, you want to be able to call attention to it. So, it's only natural that you would want to share it with those who are also interested in those same things. But this is knucklehead podcast. This is not, you know, you did it perfectly for the first time podcast. And what I'm what I'm hearing so often in some of your what you're sharing here, Matt, is you know what? You were open to whatever the outcome was, but now that you've gotten some some traction and some feedback, you want to be able to iterate quickly on what people who are interested in it can do and maybe take a peek of what's worked for somebody else, maybe model that same distribution. I guess what I mean by that is going into different types of blades and doing some of your own and also doing some custom at the same time. It sounds like it's a great process to move forward to. So what's the best way that people can get in touch with you? You made reference to IG and uh, and how people can order whenever you're ready to start taking orders again. So yeah, my website is gaskellknives.com. Uh, Instagram is Gaskell Knives and Facebook is Gaskell Knives. I have a newsletter you can sign up for on my website, and that's going to be my first uh, avenue of approaching when I do finish the list. Hey, if somebody's interested in buying something, I'm going to send it out through that channel, through my uh, newsletter. I occasionally sell a few through the newsletter as well, just because uh, people have been signed up for a couple years, you know, so to say I'm still here. Here's something if you want to buy it. I'm going to ask you the million dollar question. How many more do you have to go until you're done with the list? I'm at 26 right now. All right. I plan on putting that up on my Instagram just so everybody can see this is where I'm at, you know, so. Getting there. I love it. That's awesome. All right. Well, Matt, I appreciate you taking some time talking us through some of the learning that you've had to go through as a business owner, but then also making a product. We appreciate what you do. One, just because I think it's cool. I think products that are made by hand are some of the most interesting products and also some of those loyal followings of people that will end up trying a product because they'll stick with it and they know quality whenever they see it. So uh, anything else that you want to leave these folks with? No, just uh, thanks for the opportunity and uh, 
check out my stuff. I hope you enjoy my uh, Instagram stuff. All right. So Gaskill Knives. That's right. Yep. G-A-S-K-I-L-L. All right. Gaskill Knives. He told you just how to get in touch with him. For everybody else who likes to listen to Knucklehead, my request is, and I'm sure that the lawyers are probably going to have some fun with this, but it's Gaskill Knives. It's not Manscaped. Two completely different things. So don't try to confuse one or the other. Just keep them in two separate parts of the house. I'll just put it to you that way. All right. My buddy, Matt, appreciate you taking some time. For those of you who like listening, like, go ahead. New episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And uh, with that, we are a wrap. Have a good rest of the day, guys. We'll talk to you soon. See you.